Are you excited? The midterms are only like six weeks away now. And they say, very high interest. The people are out there. They're going to go out there and vote. This is not usually the case with the midterms. But as one guy said, I just want to take part in democracy one last time before it goes away. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's a little bit too true for my tastes. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK People Powered Radio in LA, 90.7 FM, also in Santa Barbara, 98.7, San Diego's 93.7, and Ridgecrest in China Lakes, 99.5 FM. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe for you every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Though not says everyone. Anyway, welcome to the Bradcast. Uh, Appreciate you joining us. We will not give you disinformation on this program. We will not tell you that there are concerns about COVID being created in a lab by an esteemed intellectual who is, in fact... An economist, we won't uh, withhold that information from you. We won't uh, misguide you about the Tuskegee experiment when, in fact, it had to do with withholding vaccines from black people. We will not give you disinformation on this show at all. And mostly we will be transparent with you. Now, I'll mention this very quickly because I don't want to bore all of our affiliates around the country who don't hear the same show that we do here at KPFK before we go on air. fellow by the name of Garland Nixon, who uh, works for a company that is funded by, literally funded by the Kremlin, a company named uh, Sputnik. He's on air two hours a day, five days a week. And he's been coming on the air and claiming that I have said he shouldn't be trusted. In fact, uh, and he claims to agree with me that he shouldn't be trusted. I never said he shouldn't be trusted. I believe everyone should not be trusted. Nobody should, you know, merely trust anybody on the air. It's good to challenge everyone. The problem with Garland is that he actually works for a Kremlin-funded operation and doesn't tell that to listeners. 
you know, if you're literally a paid Russian propagandist, paid literally by Russia to put propaganda, their propaganda, on our public airwaves, I believe you owe it to your audience. You should have enough respect for your audience to tell them who pays your salary to do what it is that you do. Uh, you know, maybe then listeners will be able to understand why one advocates the way they do, particularly about Russia and Ukraine over our public airwaves, but also about a whole bunch of other things like COVID, etc., that happens to match perfectly with Russian propaganda. It doesn't mean it's not true. It just means transparency matters in journalism. We give a damn about transparency and we expect our listeners to hold our feet to the fire, uh, and we will hold everyone else's feet to the fire, particularly when they're not even honest about what it is we have criticized them about. Uh, and by the way, uh, since Garland Nixon, you can look him up, Garland Nixon Sputnik. Look it up. Uh, as to inviting you onto my show, Garland, I don't need to pollute my airwaves with uh, propaganda, but I am happy to show up on your show to explain my position, even though you haven't bothered to invite me, which is odd since you criticized me for not inviting you. Very strange. Anyway, apologies to all of our other affiliates uh, for boring you with that who, who have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, anyway... Hey, good news and bad uh, out of Italy over the weekend. The good news, a woman has been elected as prime minister for the first time. That's good news, Desi Doyen. Hmm, yes, that's a pretty low bar to have your first ever leader. Of course, the United States hasn't met that bar yet. But the bad news, of course, is that the woman is Georgia Maloney, who is now poised to lead Italy's first far-right-led government since World War II. That's kind of a big story. Uh, she is now set to become Italy's first female premier. With the Brothers of Italy party, which won the uh, most votes in Italy's national election, having its roots in the post-World War II neo-fascist Italian Social movement, according to AP Today, after uh, Maloney has taken Brothers of Italy from a fringe far-right group to Italy's biggest party. That's disturbing. At the same time, Brazil is set to hold elections this weekend with its far-right president, Jair Bolsonaro, uh, set to lose, at least according to pre-election polling. And while that is good news, like Donald Trump in this country, Bolsonaro and his supporters are already claiming that if he loses, if he wins, it's fine. If he loses, it can only be due to fraud, even though uh, he's down about 20 points in uh, pre-election polling. This weekend, uh, if no candidate gets more than 50 percent of the vote in Brazil, they will go on to a runoff election at the end of next month. But Bolsonaro has already said that if he does not win outright this weekend, it can only be due to fraud on the nation's voting machines. Could be true. Who knows? When you use voting systems that are not transparent, uh, it's impossible to know either way. The problem is... Not knowing is also not proof, particularly when the evidence that does exist, for example, the polling, suggests that Bolsonaro is going to lose by a whole lot of points. So in any event, right now, yeah, uh, you know, between uh, Brazil, between Italy, between uh, the uh, new uh, right winger who's just been put in charge of uh, of Great Britain, uh, including, yes, Russia. 
which you will not hear on other people's shows. But yes, uh, the authoritarianism and fascism is having its moment in this uh, on this planet right now, unfortunately. But democracy has a funny way of striking back. And now the question in our country is whether authoritarian authoritarianism or democracy in fact, will have its day once again this November here and whether the American people will, in fact, stand up to vote and insist on it, insist on democracy on November 8, just about six weeks from now, with early voting already underway in several states. Now, I want to open the phones in a, in a little bit on uh, on that matter to hear from you uh, to ask what your number one reason for voting is this year in the critical midterms, or alternately, what's your number one reason for not voting this year? If you're going to be, well, I would say foolish enough to not vote this year, my number will be 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, if you want to line up right now. Uh, before I tell you my number one reason for uh, voting this year, hint, it has to do with the Supreme Court. Though it is not necessarily for the reasons that you may be guessing right about now. Anyway, before we get there uh, today, it, it, it had been a mostly uh, even unusually quiet storm season this year, hurricane season, at least in the Atlantic. And uh, at least until last week, which began with three simultaneous storms making catastrophic landfill, uh, landfall all at the same time. Over the same weekend in Puerto Rico, Alaska and Japan. And now, well, now we begin another week wrestling with the effects of uh, <clears throat> the effects of three more climate change fueled storms, though one of them is still the same storm as last week, but in a different location. That's Hurricane Fiona. It's now wreaking havoc up in Canada. So much as we began last week, let's uh, toss this over for uh, team coverage to Desi Doyen in the Bradcast World News Headquarters Storm Center. <laughs> Hello, Desi. Hey. Uh, on these uh, three major storms in Canada, in the Philippines, and very soon looks like heading to a Florida near you. Yeah. So first of all, you mentioned Hurricane Fiona, which caused intense devastation in Puerto Rico. And by the way, half of Puerto Rico is still without electricity and without clean water because yep. of there's no electricity to run the water pumps. Yep. So that's still going on for the poor folks in Puerto Rico. But in Canada, Fiona slammed into eastern Canada as a post-tropical cyclone with hurricane force winds, substantial storm surge that pulled entire buildings into the ocean and collapsed and washed away homes. Only one death so far, and they believe it is a woman whose home was washed away while she was in because, it. Because uh, this part of was it Nova Scotia yes. up there, th this part of the world is not accustomed to having this type of this intense of a hurricane. Correct? correct. Storms are pretty rare like this yeah. in Canada. You yeah. know, they normally get nor'easters. They used, used to, to be. be. And the reason why Fiona was able to make it all the way to Nova Scotia and maintain its strength to a Category 1 effectively was because the oceans are are record warm or near record warm along it, its path, giving it uh, basically a straightaway all the way up to Nova Scotia. And it broke the record for having the, for being the most intense storm to strike Canada 
in recorded mm-hmm. history, and that's because it had the lowest barometric pressure of any mm-hmm. storm that was ever observed, and that's, that's a pretty big deal. Yep. Um, then we move over to the Philippines, where uh, Super Typhoon Noru also made landfall on Sunday, and uh, it hit the northern island of Luzon, which is north of the capital of Manila, as a powerful Category 5, bringing widespread flash flooding, uh, cutting off electricity to millions of people. And so far, it's the good news is that there have been no reports of severe damage or widespread loss of life. Um, But there were five responders who were killed when a wall collapsed on their boat as they were trying to rescue people who were trapped in the floods. And and this storm was a big deal because it sort of spun up, and we've seen this in a lot of the storms in the Pacific, it sort of spun up out of nowhere in no time, 24 hours. It goes from uh, zero to 10, or in this case, zero to five. It it went from a tropical storm to a Category 5 storm in less than 24 hours. And then it topped out over 110 miles per hour, which put it into classification of super typhoon mm. category. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and it also happened, by, because it happened so fast, it gave the Philippines very little time to prepare, but luckily they have pretty good systems in place now that they have developed over recent years. So they had about 300 uh Uh, 300,000 people or so who were evacuated from dangerous areas. Now we move over to Hurricane Ian, which is a very dangerous storm and and has potential to be even catastrophic for Florida. And this is a really scary scenario because Hurricane Ian, as you have mentioned, is rapidly intensifying. Um, It is... It is forecast to be a major storm of either Category 3 or higher. Um, It's going to hit the west coast of Cuba, it looks like, and then it's going to head to Florida. And a state of emergency has already been issued by Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis for the entire state. Um, It's expected to make landfall. Maybe if he can send everyone in Florida up to Martha's Vineyard, they'll be safe up there for a while. (laughs) Just a thought. Go okay, ahead. so yeah, yes, no, that's ahead. all right. Yeah. So, so go basically, ahead. you know, we're looking at Wednesday as the potential if it's going to actually yeah. make landfall in Florida rather than track along the ocean. The eye would either hit Wednesday or Thursday, um, and its exact track is still uncertain. And this is really mm-hmm. important. Um, no matter where it makes landfall, somewhere on the west coast of Florida or in the Panhandle, wherever it is, the landfall and the strength of the hurricane at that time will have a huge effect on outcomes for millions of people. Um, um, because it's it's expected that it's going to slow down, weaken, and track north. If it slows down as much as it is forecast to, it will dump ungodly amounts of rain mm-hmm. wherever it tracks. Yes. And that includes going inland. After it makes landfall somewhere, it's going to continue inland, much like Hurricane Ida did last year, where it tracked all the way up to New York City and killed people along the way. So everybody who's in the potential path of the storm should pay attention. Tampa Bay is the worst case scenario if it's a direct hit. There's actually a simulation that you can look up called the Phoenix Hurricane, Mm -hmm. which is the scenario of a Category 5 direct hit on Tampa Bay, which would be really, really bad. And that uh, is one of the big concerns right now. This particular storm is on potentially on that particular track. Right. And again, it's not the wind. Uh, the wind is obviously a problem, yes. but the storm surge and the rainfall, all of which have been really juiced by climate change, the warmer waters, the more uh, uh, moisture in the air and so forth. 
could be catastrophic. Yes. And, and so forecasters are saying it has the potential to be, quote, something that we have not seen in our lifetimes because of Tampa Bay's geography and the massive real estate development that has been built um, before modern yep. flood codes were established. And so Tampa Bay is very shallow. So all that water has nowhere to go. And it has not been hit with a hurricane in 100 years or more. So there are a lot more people and more buildings, uh, more property, more infrastructure, all of that now in harm's way. And it doesn't even require a direct hit to cause catastrophic damage. Mm -hmm. I mean, even a Category 1 or 2 would be seriously damaging, depending upon what angle it hits, what time it hits, and how long it stays hanging out over. I mean, they've already got Tampa Bay, the the coastal waterfront has Mm -hmm. already had mandatory evacuations. They're expecting a storm surge of up to 15 feet. 15 feet. Yes, up to 15 feet. So it's really important to pay attention to not just the wind category, not just the wind speed, but also the storm surge. And the mayor of Tampa says, listen, you've got to get away from the water. If you can get out, you should. Thank you very much, I, I guess. Thank you very much, Desi well, Doyen. Yeah. Uh, no, it is what it is. It, it and is, this is, and this we need is, to know. These are storms now in a climate-changed, global-warming world. Correct. And we need to point out here that we just had, just a few weeks ago, the largest-ever investment by any government in the world for nearly $400 billion uh, to help combat climate change, to help mitigate from these disasters that will be happening more and more and more and more intensely. And not one single Republican in either the House or the Senate voted in favor of that critical funding at this critical time at the end of this unbelievably cruel summer. And it's not just for the mitigation to stop making climate change worse yes. by transitioning to fossil yep. uh, away from fossil fuels. It's also the adaptation. There was There's billions of dollars in there for adaptation, for flood control, for storm surge, for helping uh, communities recover after these devastating storms. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. And uh, keep that in mind. As we are now six weeks away from the uh, upcoming midterm elections, and there's another point that I want to make here uh, before we get to your calls and so forth on all of this. Uh, as longtime political writer, activist, observer Jameson Foser noted last week in a Twitter thread, the Marquette University Law School poll is pretty much the gold standard for public opinion about the U.S. Supreme Court. Nobody else, he writes, measures public sentiment about the court as frequently or in as much detail as the Marquette University Law School poll. And now, as we are about six weeks away from this uh, this year's midterms, of course, there are a lot of reasons to vote in November. Uh, But in this case, uh, Marquette has just released their newest poll on the Supreme Court, and it has what Foser describes as some big news. For the first time ever, the Marquette Law School poll finds a majority of Americans support increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court. You'll remember at the end of last term, the Supreme Court decided that essentially the EPA must not do the job that Congress said the EPA must do. Why is that? Why are they uh, unable to regulate uh, carbon and other greenhouse gas emissions, even though Congress specifically said that they could? Well, the Supreme Court has decided that it's too big of a question, that unless Congress very specifically votes on what EPA is supposed to do, uh, down to the letter, 
to give them instructions to the point that we don't actually need an EPA anymore because Congress becomes the EPA, but because the, uh, the, the Supreme Court feels that the Congress hasn't done that, it's a major question, so the EPA must not do any of it. That's essentially the argument that the Supreme Court made. Uh, that got a lot less attention, of course, after, they, uh, after the court overturned Roe v. Wade. But now, for the first time, in response to that and several other just terrible rulings by this corrupted, stolen and packed Supreme Court, now the Marquette Law School poll finds that a majority of Americans support increasing the number of justices on that Supreme Court. And that is a very big deal, if only because for years now, the GOP and the media and, yes, even foolish Democrats have been sort of successful in describing adding seats to the high court as somehow court packing, as if there was something inappropriate about it, even though the real court packing actually took place when Mitch McConnell and the Republicans refused to seat a Supreme Court justice that would have given the Democrats a majority on the court after Antonin Scalia died for a full year after his death in February of 2016. They refused to seat Barack Obama's uh, uh, nominee for the high court, claiming that it was just too close to a presidential election to seat a new justice until the American people had their say in November in who would be the new president. They would not even give Obama's nominee the very centrist and conservative Merrick Garland, who's now our, uh, our attorney general, they would not even give him a meeting at the time in the U.S. Senate, much less an up or down vote, which, by the way, would have had to clear a Senate filibuster at the time. It would have required 60 votes in the U.S. Senate in order to seat Merrick Garland. So, yes, it would have required at least some Republicans to vote in favor of him. But Mitch McConnell, blocked all of that for a year until Donald Trump was elected. And then instead of following traditional procedures to seat Donald Trump's pick for the high court, Neil Gorsuch, uh, well, McConnell actually changed the rules in the U.S. Senate, exercising what he had always called the nuclear option by doing away with the filibuster rule that had required 60 votes for lifetime appointments as justices to the highest court in the land. So McConnell himself changed that number of uh, of, of seats on the high court from nine to eight for an entire full year before he then changed the number of votes that are required to seat someone on the Supreme Court, before he blew up the Senate rules in order to, yes, pack it, and I would argue, steal the majority on the high court. He would subsequently pack it again with the seating of accused sexual assaulter Brett Kavanaugh, again with the barest of majorities that would not have been able to overcome the filibuster requirement of 60 votes on the U.S. Supreme Court until Mitch McConnell did away with that, only for the Republican-appointed justices, and in perhaps the most brazen move of all, when Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died just weeks before the 2020 election, McConnell and the Republicans jammed in one more far-right-wing justice onto the court, Amy Coney Barrett, just eight days before the presidential election that year. Eight days. 
a guy who previously argued that, uh, you know, when a justice died in February of a presidential election year, it was just too close to see to justice until the American people had their express their voice in the presidential election. But seating a justice just eight days before presidential election, well, that was just fine, apparently, because it was all Republicans in the White House and in the Congress. But uh, Mitch McConnell, of course, is a liar and a con man. In this case, I'm talking about McConnell, not Trump, in case you're confused. It was that corrupted and packed and stolen far-right Supreme Court which then subsequently turned the Constitution on its head to overturn the uh, privacy rights and reproductive freedoms of Roe v. Wade and much more, including telling the Environmental Protection Agency that they could no longer protect the environment. And there is much more coming from the court uh, in in this uh, coming term, not the least of which is Moore v. Harper to be heard in October, which... If the radical right stolen majority on the bench go along with it, will essentially legalize the theft of elections by state legislatures, citing a fringe theory that has never been supported by a majority on the Supreme Court that the U.S. Constitution somehow mandates that only state legislatures may create laws regarding elections and that governors and secretaries of state, even state courts, even state constitutions may have nothing to do with it. Even state constitutions, you know, that created those very same same state legislatures in the first place. And a governor can have nothing. A governor may not veto anything that the state legislature decides. That's what we are heading towards under this stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court. No wonder a majority of Americans for the first time are in favor of expanding that court. So, you know, if a gerrymandered Republican state legislature in Arizona or Michigan or Pennsylvania decides that they, not the voters, get to decide who the next presidential electors will go to in 2024? Well, they'll be able to decide that on their own. It doesn't matter what the voters say. And I realize that sounds insane, but that is literally the case that this Supreme Court has decided to hear in Moore v. Harper next month. And yes, you should be terrified about the outcome of that case in advance of 2024. No matter what they decide, however, this court has already proven that it is stolen and corrupted and needs to be unpacked by adding more justices to it in order to rebalance it. We've recently spoken with folks like Congressman Hank Johnson of Georgia on this program. He heads up the House Judiciary Committee on the Courts and Sarah Lipton Lubet of Take Back the Courts. Uh, about the desperate need for reform of the federal judiciary, beginning with the expansion of the number of justices on the Supreme Court. And now, according to Marquette University, for the first time, the American people, a majority of them anyway, agree that, yes, the court should finally be expanded. According to the new polling from Marquette, 51 percent of Americans believe strongly or somewhat that the court should be expanded, that we should increase the number of justices on the court, while 49 percent either somewhat or strongly oppose it. 51, 49. It is a small majority, but it is huge news because it's the first time in the polls, uh, the, the history of this particular poll, any poll, I think, that this has been the case, that a majority of Americans want to expand the number of justices on the high court. 
And as Jameson Fozer further notes in his Twitter thread, the polls across tabs are even more revealing. Increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court is supported by more than 60 percent of those aged 18 to 44. 72 percent of Democrats, 51 percent of independent voters, 60 percent of women support increasing the number of justices on the court. 63 percent of blacks, 61 percent of Hispanics, 72 percent of Democrat of Democrats and the majority of independents. Have the Democrats noticed this yet? Has President Biden, who has previously said he opposes expanding uh, the high court and has even tasked a presidential commission to examine the matter. And then they came back with, yeah, it probably makes sense to expand the court, but no rush. Well, other recent polling has, of course, found that uh, one of the top issues for voters this year is clearly the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the idea that this November Americans need to vote in a large enough majority for Democrats in the U.S. Senate that they can change the filibuster rules in order to allow them to codify the rights and freedoms of Roe v. Wade into law in all 50 states. President Biden spoke about this at a rally on Friday. But if you give me two more Democratic senators in the United States Senate, I promise you, I promise you, we're going to codify Roe. We'll once again make grow the law of the land and we'll once again protect the women's right to choose. And the power to get this done is in the hands of the American people, especially the women of America. Justice Alito said the women can decide the outcome of this election, paraphrasing some a quote in the, in, in the actual decision. Well, he ain't seen nothing yet. So... Joe Biden and the Democrats need 52 Democratic senators. They have 50. They have a majority now, but they need 52 because West Virginia's Joe Manchin and Arizona's Kirsten Sinema, both of them Democrats, have both said that they would not, under any circumstances, vote to reform the filibuster, even though Mitch McConnell did exactly that in order to pack the Supreme Court, in order to steal the Supreme Court. And, of course, uh, the more difficult task, perhaps, uh, hanging on to the Democratic majority in the U.S. House, despite gerrymandering by Republicans this year, that is also needed in order to reform the filibuster and to codify Roe. So uh, Joe Biden suggests he is more than willing to uh, reform the filibuster in order to do that, to codify Roe. And it's one of the top issues, according to the polls, that are driving Americans to vote this year. The other top issue, as NBC News recently found, is that driving voters to the polls is concern about democracy itself. And the concern of voters that we may not have one. If things continue in the direction that they are going and those Americans are absolutely right. If you only look at what may happen in the months ahead regarding Moore v. Harper, which would legalize the theft of elections, legalize what it was that Republicans wanted to do in 2020, but couldn't. Well, now they'll have the blessing of the highest court in the land to do so unless we expand the court to counter the far-right activists who were packed onto it during Donald Trump's four interminable years. 
That can be done, by the way, expanding the court with a simple majority in both chambers of Congress and the signature by the president, but only if there are enough senators willing to expand the high court to 13 instead of the current nine, and only if they're willing to do away with the filibuster in order to do that. It doesn't take a constitutional amendment to change the size of the Supreme Court. It takes a simple up or down vote in both houses of Congress. That is it. The current Democratic majority of 50 50 out of 100, they have the majority because the vice president happens to be a Democrat. She happens to be the president of the Senate and breaks ties. Well, the current majority has been blocked from instituting the most expansive and critical Voting Rights Act amendment since the Voting Rights Act itself, because all 50 Republicans and two Democrats, Manchin and Cinema, refuse to change the filibuster to protect what the high court itself has been gutting for years. So for all of these reasons, while the you know, freedoms of, of Roe v. Wade are critical, as are the reforms in the uh, Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, as is a response to whatever may happen in Moore v. Harper, as is a response to what the Supreme Court has done regarding the EPA, all of those things are, you know, ultimately a response to the corrupted, stolen and packed right wing Supreme Court majority. And that must be changed with reform. And at least to me, that is the most important reason to vote this November in all 50 states. And yes, to vote for Democrats. And again, not because I care about Democrats, but yes, because I care about democracy. Whether the Democrats know it or not right now, whether the president opposes the idea right now or not, uh, that, as I see it, is the most important reason to vote this November, in my opinion. It's to have the ability, if, if we can convince Democrats and Joe Biden to do it, if we can convince them to expand the Supreme Court, to balance it once again, to balance the rights in this country to balance what became unbalanced for the past, uh, I don't know, uh, how many years of Donald Trump's uh, uh, administration. Democrats have not been running on this. They are running on Roe and to a lesser extent to save democracy, both of which are critical. But they all begin with the court and the lack of freedoms, the stolen rights that the, that the uh, Supreme Court has already inflicted on this nation. That will not stop until they are stopped and legitimacy is restored. The only way that I've been able to figure out how to do that is to expand the court. That's the number one reason that I plan to vote this year. I would be interested, however, in your thoughts on this. What is your top reason for voting this year? 818-985-5735 is our number. 818-985-KPFK if you would like to ring in. What is your top reason for voting this year? And to put that another way, what would you tell someone that the most important reason is for them to vote this year? 818-985-KPFK. And I will also add, by the way, for those who do not plan to vote this year for some reason, I would love to know why. What is your top reason for not voting this year? Also, 
while we're on the uh, related topic, uh, do you agree that the court should be expanded as the majority of Americans now believe it should, according to the gold standard Marquette University poll out late last week? Let me uh, tell you, I know a lot of people already want to ring in, so let's take a quick break. We'll come back with your calls, more thoughts on all of this. Uh, because now is the time. Well, for the next six weeks is the time. We will continue to talk about it. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com taking your calls, taking your temperature on what you believe is the number one, your personal number one reason why you are going to vote this year, why other people should vote this year, or if you're not going to vote this year, what the number one reason is for that. Let's get right to your calls at 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to Dia. Is it Dia or Dia in Culver City? Oh, Dia or Dia. Are you there? Culver City. Paging Culver. We lost her. Oh, shoot. Okay. 818-985. Well, that's okay. I mean, I can basically, what she was interested in talking about was um, how can the GOP, the Republicans, be um, looking, as far as the polls are concerned, Mm -hmm. that they're going to possibly lose the the House, that the House Democrats will retain their majority, the House Republicans will not get it, and how is it possible that Republicans could still win? Oh, well, uh, because for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, starting with gerrymandering, Starting with concerns about voting systems and voter suppression and voter suppression. And, uh, you know, the fact that right now it's very, very close right now. I think the generic polling, meaning uh, who do you prefer uh, this year for Congress, a Republican or a Democrat when you you know don't include a name with it? Well, the Democrats are winning, but not by a lot, by a point and a half or two. But the way that uh, the districts have been gerrymandered, Democrats need to be leading by at least three, four, five points on that generic polling before we know that they'll be able to retain a a majority in the U.S. House. So it's a tall climb. It's a heavy lift. Uh, It can be done, but it really does need everyone turning out this year. Let me go to, um, who do I got here? A lot of folks. Uh, let me go to Keith in Long Beach. Hey, Keith, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thanks, your, thanks for holding. I know you've been holding for a while. Oh, Keith, turn down your radio, and you are on the air, sir. Oh, Keith. Keith, he's not listening, is he? He's listening to himself on the radio, and there's a delay, and so he doesn't know he's on. All right, Keith, we'll come back to you. Uh, we will come back to you in a minute. Let's go to Mike in Santa Barbara. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, Mike. Hi, Brad. Thanks for taking my... Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, what happened? We just, we lost Mike. 
Desi did that. And uh, sorry about that, Des. Thank you. Let's go to Keith, I think, who is now with us. Hello? Hey, yeah, now we got you, Keith. Go ahead, brother. Mike, call us back. Go ahead, Keith. Turn down your radio. You're on. Yeah, I'm here. Good. You're on the air. Right. How can I help you, Keith? Hey, um, there's a lot you were doing there. Yeah. Talking about there. Yeah. Um, I hope you can bear with me a minute. On the on the Democrats needing two more senators, yep. are you sure they're not going to need us to elect the parliamentarian forum as well? Mm. Well, uh, no. That, I, well, I know. Well, let me let me respond. Let me respond to that part real quickly, Keith. Uh, the it is. It, it, it is established that the majority in the U.S. Senate can, in fact, vote to change the Senate rules. That's what Mitch McConnell and the Republicans did in order to pack the Supreme Court. So if Democrats want to do that, they can do that. And the parliamentarian has no say over that. Yeah. And the Republicans had 50 members plus the vice president. You ever notice how the Republicans can get through anything they want? 80, 90 percent of the country can be against it. Mm-hmm. But the Republicans can get through what they want. Yep. But the Democrats always seem, seem to find something that trips them up. Well, if it ain't their, it's not, it it's their not Republican uh, members that they allow to put these behind their name. Mm-hmm. It's a parliamentarian that's a hired employee. Okay. Why? Why, why is it? Why is it that we should even? Uh, go along with anything you're saying with respect to the Democrats and what Joe Biden says he's going to do. Well, Joe Biden said so many things that he was going to do before he became president. Name one thing that he's done that he that he said he would do. Oh, well, one uh, thing, I, not a partial of what he said he would okay. do. Name one whole well, he, commitment he made in, in his campaign yeah. that he followed through on. Yeah, he, he said he would take on climate change. He said he would get a bipartisan infrastructure bill passed. He said he would um, uh, uh, forgive student loans up to ten thousand dollars. There's a whole no, bunch of things that he has he done, Keith. Fifty thousand dollars. I think it was ten thousand, but that's okay. No, it was fifty thousand. Uh, I think it was ten, but that's okay. One of us okay. is right. One of us is wrong. That's all right. The point is here. Okay. Uh, in in the you know there was a whole bunch of stuff he wanted to do in the Build Back Better bill, but he was undermined by all fifty Democrat all fifty Republicans and two Democrats. That is why he is saying, give me two who will vote to reform the filibuster in order to codify Roe. He hasn't said uh, reform the filibuster in order to expand the Supreme Court. That's me talking. That's me saying they need to have those tools in order to change the filibuster because unpacking the Supreme Court is the most important thing that that can be done ultimately. Well, well, Brad, I respect you. And with all due respect, uh, what you're doing is is uh, uh, professional ma- managerial class gatekeeping for the Democrats because okay. Joe Biden has done nothing that he said he would do. Okay, Absolutely well we'll have nothing. I hear you. We will Joe disagree, Biden, and Joe I believe Biden that people can check Jim the facts. Crow, Hang on, Keith. Joe hey. Biden is uh, a Jim Crow president. Okay, that no Democrat should have uh, believed. Okay, all right, and Keith. Joe Biden has done nothing that he promised that he would. Do. All right, you have already mentioned that. You're already repeating yourself, and it's not that I don't want to hear you repeating yourself. Right. But there's a lot like of people that. who. I no, don't I don't like care, that, Keith. Goodbye. I'm trying to get. To other callers, you've made your point. You believe that Joe Biden has not done one thing that he promised to do. I believe you are wrong. That's fine. Everyone can you know, make the decisions for themselves. 
Joe Biden said that he would uh, appoint a, 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 a woman as vice president. He did so. He made all kinds of promises that he has succeeded in doing. He has made a bunch of promises that he has so far failed at doing. Hold him accountable for that. That's fine. But if I'm a part of the professional gatekeeper class, I wish to hell someone would pay my salary for doing it. 818 818- 985 KPFK. Let's go to uh, who was that? Now I've lost the name. That was Mike. Mike. There we go. And we do have Mike back. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, hey um, yeah. So basically, um, you know, I, I always vote, definitely, I'm, but I'm discouraged, you know, obviously with the Democrats because, mm-hmm. you know, what I, I call them the do nothing Democrats because they really. You know, I mean, to kind of dovetail what your previous caller, mm-hmm. you know, they they really they've always got an excuse. You know, now it's Mansion and Cinema. Well, that's not an excuse, and, Mike. And that's not an excuse. Well, no, that's just well, math. I know, I know that's just I math. Know, but it, I mean, it is and it isn't. But they've always no. It is. Excuse. It actually is <laughs> an actual math. If they don't have fifty right. votes, if two Democrats undermine them, and if no Republicans are willing to vote yeah. for things that even Republicans used to want. That's just math, Mike. Right, and I don't, I don't want to get wrapped around the semantics, Axel. But okay. you know, like for example, I mean, there's tons and tons. You know, like Obama cam- campaigned saying that health health insurance mandates don't work without the public option. He said that in rallies. You know, it's on video. Mm-hmm. And and as soon as he got in. Whatever their excuse was, you know, don't have the votes, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. You know, mansion, cinema, whatever. They drop the public option, okay? They mm-hmm. always, always do that. Well, they don't always do that. You no, pointed... No, 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 I know. I know. No, Mike, Mike, okay, let me respond. I'm not going to cut you off. Just hang on. Let me respond. They don't always do that. They did not just do that when they allocated for... Hang on, Mike. You'll Nobody can hear you, so hang on. I'll let you talk. Uh, they just did that when they allocated $400 billion for climate change, the largest single of, from any government in the world to combat our climate crisis. It was something he promised to do. It was something he has done. Uh, so, yeah, I can pick out all kinds of problems that I have with Democrats that they failed to do this or that. Yes, Barack Obama said he was supported a public option. He couldn't get it through the Senate. That's a pity. I wish he had. Uh, in the meantime, he did help some 30 million Americans who didn't have health and access to health insurance before to get that access. That's a good thing. That's how politics works. It takes time. Yes, hold the Democrats' feet to the fire for not getting what you want them to get done. I join you in that. I have no problem with that, but let's just tell the truth about it, okay? Continue, Mike. Right, so my... Getting getting to the actual point is at this at this point I think I feel like the topics that you've outlined mm-hmm. you know the, the expanding the Supreme Court and modifying the filibuster mm-hmm. you know and codifying Roe all those things this is this is the time if they don't do it now yep. I mean I you know I don't want to be hyperbolic mm-hmm. or, or get wrapped around the semantics axle or anything but I think it's an existential threat. For this democracy, me too. They don't do it now. There's no more time yep. for excuses, whether you want to call them excuses or just not getting the job done. Mm-hmm. The Democrats have to do it this time, and I just, I'm, I'm concerned that 
they still won't do it, even if we gave them the vote. Yeah, well, then hold them accountable, Mike. That's what elections are for. And by the way, you say they should do it now. Well, they can't do it now for reasons that we've discussed. But if they're given 52 votes in the Senate, if they're able to retain a majority in the House, which I think is going to be really tough, but if they can pull all of that off, yeah, Absolutely. Hold them accountable if they don't do what, for example, Joe Biden just now said he would do if he was given 52 uh, uh, votes in the Senate and a majority in the House. I hear you. Hold them accountable. I'm not apologizing for anything. I'm saying this is how we get things done. This is how we push them to do what we want them to do. They don't lead us. We lead them. Thanks, Mike. I do appreciate the call, sir. And sorry about the semantics axle there. 818-985-KPFK. A lot more folks want to get in. Uh, Should we take a quick break here? A quick break, short break. We will come back with uh, your calls. 818-985-5735. Why do you think, what would you tell someone else as to why they should vote in November? What's your top reason? And... So far, no one has taken me up on this, I don't think. But if you're not going to vote this year, tell me why. What's the top reason for that? I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Five major corporations now own over 80 percent of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. In case you're wondering, by the way, who the least popular Supreme Court justices are, according to the Marquette School, uh, University Law School poll, um, the uh, approval, disapproval, favorable, unfavorable rates for uh, Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett. She's underwater by eight points. Clarence Thomas is underwater by nine. Brett Kavanaugh, the accused sexual assaulter, is underwater by 12 points. Not very popular. By the way, all three Democratic appointees on the Supreme Court are all plus 13 or better as far as points above water, more popular than unpopular by 13 points or more. Let's we're taking your calls on, uh, well, apparently the Supreme Court and reasons to vote this November. Bob in Mount Washington. Hey, Bob, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yeah, Brad, the number one reason is to stop fascism in its track. Yep. And I want to thank you for uh trying to push back against the big lie of the left, and I wish you would call it that, which is that there's no difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. And this is now, that's, now that, to, to be clear, you're saying that is some on the left say there is no difference between the Democrats and the Republicans, and, that's, right. and that that is the lie. And I agree, that's that is a lie. <laughs> yes, it's the big lie of the left, and yeah. it's as pernicious yeah. and dangerous as the as Trump's big lie. Yep. And I wish you would start start labeling it that way. You've been pushing back. You're doing a good job. 
but you're, I, I, you need to get tough with these people, <laughs> okay? Yep. So, listen, I, I, it's not that I, I, you know, I'm not tough. I, I respect people's opinion, but there is a lot of misinformation and disinformation. And yes, the idea that both parties are the same is the laziest goddamn uh, response to all of this that I, you know, I could possibly come up with. It is so lazy and disinformed. And if you think there is no difference, ask yourself who just took away rights, uh, you know, 50 years of constitutional protections for reproductive freedom and privacy rights. It is the Republicans. Democrats would not do that. So to say, oh, both parties are the same is just wrong. It is a lie. It is, in fact, uh, as uh, as you describe it, a big lie. Thank you for pointing that out, sir. Yeah. The guy that just called and said, you know, Joe Biden offered to do fifty thousand dollars on mm-hmm. student loans that was not true it was elizabeth warren that said correct that, thank you Joe biden yes Joe biden only made a vague statements i will uh forgive student loans but so this is the kind of stuff yep. they, they pick these little bits here and but yep. they're all lies yeah. it's all lies and and we need to call them out for what it is. Well, one of the reasons that, Bob, one of the reasons I don't call it a lie is because I think a lot of these people don't know that they are lying. They're not purposely lying. They have been so egregiously misinformed by media across the board, from right-wing media to, uh, you know, far-left media. And, you know, so I don't know that they are lying. I think that, you know, many folks on the left actually believe these things because they have been disinformed, often by disinformation information agents but uh that's one of the reasons i don't call it a lie thanks bob okay well yeah all right thank you i I appreciate the call i hear you 818-985-kpfk let's go to uh oh uh, uh, lisa in sherman oaks hey lisa welcome to the broadcast hey brad how are you doing i'm fantastic Um, how are you um Good. Okay. I, I just want to push back a little bit on your last comment about mm-hmm. the, the the two parties. Yeah. People who say two parties are both the same are crazy. Yeah. Um, well, they're misinformed. I didn't say they were crazy. I said they're misinformed. But go ahead. Well, well okay. Well, misinformed. I apologize. Yep. Um. <clears throat> I, there was a report put out by CNN mm-hmm. that the states that have enacted these horrific abortion restrictions are getting help from Democrats. They're going along with this, 140 of them. Mm, So I'm wondering where those women are supposed to go. If Republicans are taking away that right and also these Democrats. Okay, let me stop you there, Lisa. Let me stop you there. What Democrats are you talking about? You said 140 of them in Congress, in state legislatures, where? In, in the House. Okay, there are not 100, there are simply or, not 140 Democrats in the U.S. House that are in favor of taking away uh, reproductive rights, period. I don't know where or, you heard it. Uh, if you want to send me, my email address is bradcast at bradblog.com. Uh, you can tweet me. I am the Brad Blog. if you want to send the link there. But uh, that is simply not true. And information goes out over our airwaves, and it does confuse people about this stuff. It, it all, now, I, I could be misinformed myself. It also mm-hmm. could be the legislatures. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, let's there's... let's make sure we know what we're talking about before we put out something like Democrats and Republicans are both equally in favor of taking away reproductive rights, Lisa. That's all I'm asking. And I hear you. Okay. Maybe there is a study. Send it to me and I'll be happy to share it. Yes, uh, Just real quick. I, yeah. I think I might have this. It's a, a, an article on CNN from September 6th. Republicans have unlikely allies in their fight to restrict abortion Mm -hmm. at the state level. So Mm -hmm. it is in reference to state legislatures and how in uh, Texas, this Mm -hmm. Texas state legislature, for example, Mm -hmm. there are quite a few who are uh, call themselves Democrats who are in favor of the more restrictions. Cool. Vote them out. Vote them out. Vote them out. Okay. So state, some state Democrats, and you're talking about 140, and there are literally thousands of these state Democrats across the country, 140 of them, uh, apparently think they need to be against uh, reproductive rights in order to get elected. Vote them out the next chance you get. That next chance you get will be uh, in the primaries. We've already missed that opportunity to get those men and women out. Now we're looking at a general election. And do you want a Republican who has stated they want to ban uh, abortion nationwide in all 50 states? Well, maybe you do. I don't know. But um, I do not. Uh, OK, you do yeah. not. If, if there are 140 Democrats who are in favor of uh, restricting women's rights across the country in state legislatures, that means that there are hundreds, thousands who are against doing that. Meanwhile, there are thousands of Republican state legislatures, legislators who do want to do that. Anyway, uh, Lisa, thank you for that call. Thank you for your thought there. I hope we've cleared that up a little bit. Yes, there. Good. There is a difference. And when they don't do the right thing, hold them accountable. But let's make sure we're not holding them accountable for something imaginary that they've been misinformed about over our public airwaves. Thanks for the call, Lisa. Uh, We have time only for, uh, yeah, we have only time for one more, and it's going to have to be Mo, who's always good at being quick. Hey, Morris from Long Beach. What's up, brother? Quickly. Uh, If Donald Trump, if the government should seize Mar-a-Lago, where is Donald Trump going to live, Brad? Thank you very much. Uh, I'm thinking federal prison, but maybe that's just wishful thinking. Thanks for the call, Mo. Thanks to everyone else, including those who I could not get to. Appreciate your thoughts. As always, whether I agree with them or not, you can drop me email if you'd like to continue disagreeing with me. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Our thanks to our producer today, Desi Doyen, to our board operator, Yout Orozco, and to all of you for giving us an hour of your day or night. It's always appreciated. It's always an honor. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. We will see you there until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>